Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Any Given Sunday Dynasty League pod. Um, we're joined today by Nick Rice, but before we jump into the interview, let me offer you a couple of news and notes upcoming. Uh, for one, remember, here in the fall, we're going to be having two exhibition leagues, uh, starting with people in our group, but we'll also add in some outside people. Uh, we'll have a Vampire League, and we'll have a, a just a standard redraft league. Uh, and then we'll have some fun little bets and stuff that will go along with that, funny little trophies and things like that. So I hope you give that a consideration. Also, uh, next week on the pod, we're either going to have Chase or Jeff Darby or both as our guest. But the week after, we're going to be doing a mock draft, our first mock draft for the redraft season. The way that'll work is I'll get a couple of people, Nick, maybe, Justin, Parker, who else? And uh, we'll do a giant Zoom call. And we'll share our screen looking at our draft board and kind of just do a mock draft like we would for a fall draft, talking about what players we're high on, uh, strategies that we found. And we'll do a couple of these throughout the summer to get us ready uh, for many of our redraft seasons coming up. But without further ado, we are joined today by runner-up uh, Nick Rice. Uh, runner-up is still kind of a jab, I guess. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Nick. Yeah, I'm Nick Rice. I uh, live in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, kind of south of uh, Pittsburgh, southeast of Pittsburgh. Um, my wife's hometown, so I preach for the Greensburg Church of Christ, a uh, little neighboring community. And uh, I do a lot of mission work. I, I run a nonprofit called Roots Mission, which actually uh, your dad, Jeff, is, is one of the uh, board members, has worked with me. You've been out to the res. Uh, years ago, you went out to the res, and, and Jeff's been out a number of times. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife, Heidi, a couple of girls, um, a couple of young girls, Julia and Maggie. Um, so I, I, I know probably about half the guys in this league. Um, Cameron from his time at Fishinger and Kenny, and that's the congregation I grew up in. And then uh, Jeff and Bishop moved there in, in uh, I don't know, probably close to 2000, 2001. Yeah, 2000, yeah. 2000. So, yeah, so we've known each other for 20 years. Um, so, yeah, I know, it's crazy. So your dad came to be the campus minister right when I was in, in college, and uh, we used to spend almost every Friday night at your house. I mean, just spent tons and tons of time at your house, which is kind of crazy. So uh, I was really, really glad that you invited me to be in the league. I, uh, for a few years, I haven't been in any leagues. I just got so busy that I, I dropped every league I was in. And um, I, I told Heidi that I was getting back into a league, and she's like, I thought you were too busy for that. I'm like, yeah, I am, but Bishop <laughs> asked me, and I can't resist. My favorite thing in the world is to play fantasy football with Bishop Darby. <laughs> Okay, so, some backstory there. Some backstory there. You were the one who introduced <laughs> me to fantasy football when I was still like eight or nine. And uh, my first year I traded Tom Brady for, was it Vince Young? Oh, I, I went back and I looked. I, I think I've got this right. So here's the way I remember it anyway, or the way I could piece it together. So I think you joined the league in 2006. <laughs> How old would you have been in 2006? See, I would have been, uh, that would have been, what, 14 years ago? I would have been 10. Awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. 
So I, if I remember this right, I think you joined the league in 2006 and you were dying to get Tom Brady. And you were begging, I forget the owner who had Tom Brady, but they wouldn't trade him to you. You were so frustrated. You were like publicly, openly clamoring for Tom Brady and couldn't get him. So then in 2007, in a redraft league, you took Tom Brady like so early, like maybe with your first pick, like super, super early. You were so happy to get him. And then you kind of got bored with him and you decided to make a trade for Mike Vick. And now if you remember correctly here, 2007 is the year that Tom Brady threw 50 touchdown passes and shattered every record. And it's also the year that Mike Vick went to jail. <laughs> so then in 2008, in order to rectify that wrong, you know, you wanted Tom Brady so bad, you had him, you traded him away, you couldn't get him. So then you made a ridiculous deal to get Tom Brady, and he played one game and broke his ACL and MCL and never played again. <laughs> like one of my favorite things ever. Like for three years, you were so desperate to have Tom Brady, and it was like the forbidden fruit you couldn't taste. This is awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, with that being said, who owns Tom Brady in our league? Because uh, I'll come and knock it, that's for sure. Uh, 44 years old, that's not going to scare me off. Yeah, that's uh, – I, I would say I've gotten better, but I'm not so sure I have. Um, man. Well, I, I always have a lot of fun in fantasy football with you, so I was really, really excited to join this league and, and had fun last year and would have had more fun if I beat Cameron in the final, but um, – <laughs> Alvin Cook, huh? Yeah, now he's your problem. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, first of all, I want to say before we jump into the kind of the itinerary today, what you're doing um, with the write-ups, it, it's been awesome, hilarious, accurate. I, I would like to say, though, I don't think I've busted into the top five <laughs> yet. Uh, and Parker was lamenting last, uh, last night that he hasn't either. And so we're trying to figure out what we need to do to get in the, the Nick Rice Hall of Fame up there, the top five. But I'm sure we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, to start us off, let's kind of break down some of the recent moves that's been made. Uh, starting with your trade, um, Hilton and Hurst, that little swaparoo there. A lot of speculation, a lot of conversation on the league chat. Kind of fill us in a little bit on that trade. Well, it's kind of funny how this trade came together. So... Uh, that little piece that I wrote about um, moves that every team should make, that was one of the trades I suggested to uh, Cameron. And then he sent me that trade, and I totally forgot that I'd put it in, in that little write-up. And so I tried to negotiate more out of it, and I was like, ah, why, don't you, uh, why don't you give me a third rounder and we'll make it work? And he was like, uh, you're the one who basically offered me this trade. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I forgot all about it. So I, so I honored it the way that I initially wrote it up. But, you know, for me, um, I, I like my wide receiver depth. I think I've got a lot of guys. I mean, I think my top three is going to be fantastic. Uh, I love Hopkins this year in Arizona. I think they're going to use him a ton. Um, I think he's going to have a great, great, great season in Arizona. Um, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going gonna, is gonna to bounce back and have a great season. 
Last year, not such a good season, but the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh was brutal. I mean, they literally started games with a guy who calls himself Duck. It's so, so bad. Um, and the other receivers weren't really offering him a whole lot. I think the addition of Eric Ebron is going to be great for Pittsburgh. I think Connor is going to bounce back and have a pretty good year. Um, if Big Ben looks anything like what he did in 2018, I think Juju is easily a wide receiver too. Um, and, and, you know, the sky is the ceiling for this guy. Um, so, you know, I look at Hilton as a guy who's kind of on the back end of his career, guy who gets banged up a little bit. I mean, he's not a guy who misses tons of time, but he's like, seems like a guy's always got a hamstring that's bothering him or a, an ankle or a knee. It's like always something. Um, so he's a guy that I'm only going to want to put in my lineup a handful of times a year anyway, and maybe only for one more year, you know, this year or maybe next year. And after that, I don't see much value for him. He's got a new quarterback. So, you know, you don't know what Phillip Rivers is going to do there, but the knock on Phillip Rivers last year was that he couldn't get the ball downfield to his, to his guys, that he was a dink and dunk option. And they got so sick of him that even after he was basically their only option to quarterback for, the last 15 years, they decided to just let him walk. So I'm not sold that Philip Rivers is really the answer in Indianapolis. And I think T.Y. Hilton could take a hit. Uh, the opposite side of that is Hurst. Everything we hear is that, oh, he's this dynamic talent. He just got buried in the depth chart. Maybe. He hasn't proven it yet. But what NFL team has had a better tight end situation for fantasy than Atlanta over the last 20 years. They are the top. They're number one. Whoever they have is ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's an enormously productive position in the NFL. So if you take a guy who supposedly has all kinds of talent, he's still young, and you put him in that spot, man, I got to believe he's going to end up a top eight tight end I mean, sleepwalking through the season. I think there's – I could imagine a way where he ends up a top one or two or three tight end easily. Um, and you know, maybe he stays that way for five or six years. That's more than I'm going to get out of T.Y. Hilton. So for me, you know, I think the trade's a, kind of a no-brainer for, for the way it fits what I needed. Um, you know, I, I draft or I traded for Hooper at the end of last year specifically because of how good he was as Atlanta's tight end, hoping that, not even hoping, I was convinced there's no way Atlanta's going to let this guy walk. They're going to find a way to work out a deal and keep him here. And then next thing you know, he plays for the Browns. And I'm like, but, you know, here I thought I had made this great trade for this guy who was going to fix my frustrations at tight end and uh, didn't work out that way. So I'm hoping that Hurst is that answer now. Well, and I think, you know, the knock on both Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, uh, Julio Jones especially over the last couple of years, is that he does not get touchdowns. For reasons unknown to the world, he's the most talented wide receiver in football, but he does not find the end zone. Uh, that's kind of where Austin Hooper found value. And Hayden Hurst is, from what's coming out of camp and uh, conversation there, is that he is the best athlete that Matt Ryan has ever had at that position. Uh, Matt Ryan's yeah. even said that publicly. <clears throat> so I think 
you know, it's weird to say T.Y. Hilton for a tight end uh, is a good trade unless that tight end's name is like Travis Kelty or Mark Andrews. But in this situation, I actually am with you. I think that's a the solid trade on your end. Yeah, I, I think it's a good fit. I mean, I, I totally get the – it seemed like some people in the league didn't love that deal, that they, they value Hilton more than that. Although, interestingly, they didn't offer me any trades for Hilton. Uh, that would back that belief up. But, but in a three-wide receiver league, I get it. Hilton's a, a valuable guy. I mean, he, he, could, he could slot into somebody's wide receiver three spot and be great. Um, but I just wasn't going to have him there on my roster. I mean, I've got Juju at the number three spot, and uh, I can't imagine that there are going to be too many weeks where I'm going to choose Hilton over, over Juju. And, and there are other guys that I think are going to produce – comparably to, to T.Y. Hilton. I think Marquise Brown's going to take a big step up this year. You know, I'd feel just as good playing Brown as I would playing Hilton uh, in, in a flex or in a wide receiver three. So um, it's a guy that, frankly, I wasn't going to miss, and he was going to have to come off to my come off my roster anyway in a year or two. So I, I think it was a good, good match probably for both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's kind of rapid fire here through these other two since they don't really involve you. Just give your, yeah. your uh, thoughts. Um, there was a recent trade, Alvin Kamara trade. Um, uh, it was me and Parker did the trade. I got Alvin Kamara. Um, he got Amari Cooper, Keyshawn Vaughn, my first and – well, a first and a second of next year. Ironically, both of them were his picks that he yeah. traded to me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I think uh, this, this one's interesting to me. So I think that um, in the short term, it's a better trade for you. And in the long term, there's almost no way it's not a better trade for him. Um, that, that one and that two, I might be in the whole entire league, I might be the guy who's sort of the least interested in draft picks. Uh, not that I don't see some value there, but the, the rapid fire way in which we trade. I mean, there's people that we drafted just three weeks ago that have already changed rosters how many times. So the idea that a draft pick is going to be significantly valuable and important. I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't totally buy it, but um, I actually didn't. I know Parker was a little bit frustrated with his wide receivers feeling like he doesn't have a top end guy. And I, and I get that. Yeah. Okay, I'll be up in a little bit. Sorry, sorry, a little visitor here. <laughs> no, I, I get that he doesn't feel like he's got a really top-end guy, and so to go out and get Cooper was a good move. Okay, go ahead, honey. To go ahead and get Cooper was a really good move. Um, I, I think for you, though, you really – I mean, you had pretty good wide receiver depth you had a decimated running back position. I think even if Cam Akers turns out to be a stud, there wasn't enough up there and, and things like that. So to get Kamara, I think, was a pretty good move. Um, but in the end, I think the return for him is going to be – it's going to work out to be better. Um, yeah, interesting move, though. I like it. it was, I mean, there's no doubt it, it drastically improves your team. In the last the two thing, weeks, your team gotten <clears throat> immensely better than it was. Well, I agree with that. Um, I, I kind of stockpiled assets, um, 
and I didn't know what I wanted to do with them. I didn't know if I wanted to flip them or save them to get better. I looked at the, the draft class coming in, and I have a handful of guys very early on that I'm interested in uh, to see how they uh, progress over the college football season into the draft season. Uh, but there's just, you know, they're just so hit and miss that to be able to package together a first and a second round draft pick who could turn into stars or could turn into, you know, a couple of years ago in a dynasty league, there was like Justin Blackman would have been that pick or, uh, you know, all these other guys that, that thought everyone thought was going to be the greatest thing ever and fizzled out. I figured I'd go for the known commodity. One more trade here and then we'll jump into uh, the rest of it. There was a trade that happened literally an hour and a half ago um, in which uh, Justin traded, a uh, toupee wearer traded uh, Jordan Howard, Dalvin Cook, and Alexander Madison for DK Metcalf, Josh Jacobs, and Anthony McFarland Jr. Um, any thoughts on that trade? Yeah, I, I actually think you win this trade too. I, I think this one's um, pretty close, um, but, but I think you win this trade. I think Dalvin Cook has the potential to be the number one overall player in our league. I think he's that talented. And uh, if they give him the ball enough and he stays healthy enough, he's, he's a stud. I mean, he's a top, top end running back. And when you pair that with Kamara, that's, that's a pretty, pretty potent one-two punch. Um, and, and you get the handcuff, right, which you definitely want with Cook because he has not played a 16-game season yet in his career. I think he's the most dynamic, you know, uh, potential for a big play. I think he's the best guy there is in the NFL. Um, but he also gets banged up a little bit, and you gotta you got to have a, a backup plan. So I like that part of the trade for you. I think Jordan Howard is kind of a disrespected man. Thank you! <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I can totally love Howard yet, but he has – what I, what I, I mean, I don't know what Braid is going to do for that uh, backfield yet, but I, I think he's got the inside track on a starting job for an up and coming team where they've got tons of draft picks. They've got tons of money. They're going to be getting better and better and better. I think two years, three years from now, you know, he could be, we could be talking about Jordan Howard as the top, you know, one of the, one of the elite guys. Um, you know, I could see that career arc for him. So I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Metcalf is a really good player, and I think he's going to get better. I mean, I could see him being a, a pretty elite wide receiver. Um, but you have a lot of wide receivers. So I think it's less about the actual talent of the player and more about the roster and fantasy. And you needed running backs and got a great one and, you know, gave up a wide receiver and I think a pretty good one. Um, Jacobs, Jacobs is a pretty good player, and he's going to get a lot of carries, a lot of touches. I worry about his touchdowns. Um, I don't think the Raiders are still going to be very good, and when a team is not very good, they don't get into the offense enough for uh, some players to be valuable. I think he's going to pile up a lot of yards. He's going to get a ridiculous amount of touches. Hopefully he gets more action in the passing game, but uh, I don't think he's going to get the touchdowns maybe to be – at the upper crust where some of those other guys are going to be. I think he's going to be that sort of second tier uh, kind of guy. So I, I think you did a pretty good job. And, and McFarland is a dice roll. I mean, in Pittsburgh right now, who could say who the backup's going to be? You know, nobody's, 
really got any faith in Connor. Um, you know, what's Jalen Samuels' role? Nobody knows. So, you know, McFarlane could be the guy. It easily could fall that way that he's the guy, but it could go the other way too. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I'm obviously a believer in Benny Snell. Um, I've held him for a while. <clears throat> I legitimately believe that he could be the guy uh, in that backfield, but you're right. Who knows? It's a complete, uh, it's a dice roll uh, back there behind Jacobs, behind Samuels. Uh, the one thing I would like to throw out there to all those who are listening, Jordan Howard, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Howard is third in rushing yards since he's entered into the NFL. Third. Third. Three. There's only three guys ahead. I mean, come on. Like, he is so disrespected. I could get on my soapbox and go forever about how he has done nothing but been an 1,100-yard rusher. He has done nothing but be in the top 10 in rushing every year. He has done nothing except excel at a high level, at a high clip with 4.1 yards a carry. Uh, he is a great athlete. And I know he runs like an old man. I know he looks like an old man. I know he jukes like an old man. But he's 25. Like, he is young, and he is viable for a long-term fit. Miami's not going to commit to a high price tag running back. They've proven that. He could get a three-year contract, five-year contract for dirt cheap, be their starting running back under a two-a-tongue-of-a-low-a-led offense. I am all in on Jordan Howard. He is starting in my flex this year, and he will end this year in the top 20 as a running back. That's a hot take. I like it. That's a good, good stat, a hot take. See, okay, Justin, I know you disagree with me. Hit me up. We'll figure out some bet to go on our side action list. Jordan Howard <laughs> yeah, will be a top 20 action. running back. Just as a footnote here, more creative, wild side action. That's what I want. Me too. If, if this league is, is moving away and, and, and it's not going to be for money, then it should be for some – there should be lots of ludicrous side betting going on and, and ridiculous things. I want to see I am more of that. all – in. I am all in. <laughs> well, uh, let's, let's pivot off this for a little bit. Let's uh, jump into an evaluation. Um, you are arguably in this league, um, you or Justin are one of the best thinkers of fantasy football. Uh, what you're pinning on paper right now uh, is incredible. It's thorough. It's accurate. You're a stat guy, a numbers guy. You have a very good capacity to be able to evaluate talent. Last year, uh, during our startup, there were so many players that when you picked them, you took flack from all of us on only to, to be runner-up. Um, so let's pick your brain about strategy. Let's pick your brain about evaluation. Uh, and let's start with a very broad question. What is your strategy moving into 2021? Well, for me, the, um, there's some pretty simple things that, that kind of make the foundation of my my fantasy approach. One is don't be emotional, right? So fantasy football is not a football game. It is a statistics game. And so if you're not considering the numbers, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss. If you play as a fan, if you're accumulating players that you like on teams that you root for, you're going to miss. So um, the more emotional you get about a player or a situation or a team, the more likely you are to, to lose. Um, so you can't get emotional. Second thing is you got to make a lot of moves. So I, I looked at this, 
the teams that had winning records in our league last year, which there were only three, me and you and Cameron, were the only three that had winning records last year. So of the teams that had winning records, we averaged 53 moves throughout the course of the year. You want to guess how many moves Ashton's team made last year? How many? Eight. Eight. The pro making moves doesn't necessarily equate to wins, but if you're not active in making moves, your team is not any better than it was on draft day. In fact, it's worse, right? Unless every single player on your roster overachieves, it's going to be worse. They're going to be guys that you miss on, and if you don't replace them with other talent, then your team your team's going to be declining all year long, getting worse. So you got to be making moves. This this I know is kind of a hot take, and it's been kind of a funny thing to discuss. Age doesn't matter at all. It's way overrated, way overrated. The only number that should matter is the statistics, the catches, the yards, the touchdowns, the opportunities, not their age, right? If Christian McCaffrey put up the same numbers, but he was 35 instead of 25, would you want him? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. The age is irrelevant. The production is what matters. Larry Fitzgerald is a robot. I don't know how he's still playing at this age, right? Especially a wide receiver where he's out there getting blown up all the time. But if he's still productive, I don't care that he's 40 years old. I, I want him in my lineup, right? If he's going to catch the football and get in the end zone, that's what matters. So I, I think age is way overrated. Now, when you're talking about a trade, we were just talking about Hilton as a part of that Hearst trade. Age is going to become a factor because how many more seasons am I going to have them for? But just to looking at your lineup, you know, I don't, I don't care about having old guys. You know, if they've still got some usefulness in them, then, then I still want them. Plus, at the end of the season, everybody's going to be adding, you know, barring some trades, five new, five rookies through the draft to their roster. That's five players you got to drop to make room for them. So who are you going to drop? Right? Well, I'm going to drop some old guys that are hanging on too long, guys that aren't as productive anymore. I'm going to replace them with rookies. So here, here's where I'm going to push on you a little bit. You've got 11 rookies on your roster. You've got the youngest team by far. And you've got right now eight draft picks for next year. So who are the eight guys on your roster, as you look from top to bottom, that you're willing to drop to make room for a rookie? I mean, uh, to be honest with you, the grand majority of those are going to be rookies who bust from last year. Um, like you said, I have 11. I don't expect to keep 11. I, I think probably four, maybe, uh, which means I'm dropping a lot. Uh, there's a couple of guys that took dark those on, Dan Arnold, Stevens, or Steven Stems Jr. Uh, a lot of these guys that Will they be anything? Who knows? But you're right. I mean, that's been something that's crossed my mind. And that's one of the reasons I've been willing to part with these draft picks. Let's say I can't, I can only hold so many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I think age is a little bit overrated. Um, and, and for me, kind of the other piece that makes sort of the foundation of my strategy is um, I think the bench wins the title, not the starters. You know, last year we saw Jeff's team get decimated by injuries. It was really kind of a shame. The bottom just fell out and everybody was hurt. And there just weren't enough pieces. That's, to me, that's where you get in this sort of rebuilding situation where you're like, 
everybody's hurt. Do I mortgage the future here to be able to start a competitive lineup or do I bite the bullet and wait it out till the off season and let my guys get healthy and next year make another run? Um, I, you know, I, I really felt bad for Jeff's team last year because it, it got kind of ugly. Um, just that there weren't enough healthy bodies, especially at running back. It was kind of a tough, uh, tough break there, but uh, you know, I've, I want a team that's pretty deep so that if I lose a starter, I get a guy who comes in and gives me almost that productivity. You, you know, if you lose a guy, like if I lose McCaffrey, there is no replacement, right? Nobody's coming in and filling those shoes, but I want a guy who can come in and start. I don't want to be playing some timeshare guy, you know, that's only going to get half the work or some guy who's only going to get, uh, you know, a share of the action. I want a guy who can, uh, who can step in, at least give me a fighting chance at having a good day. Um, so I think, I think depth is a big piece of it. Uh, you were asking a minute ago, you know, Parker was saying he didn't get rated above five. Part of it for me, Parker and Jay Riggity in the same boat. We've got, you know, I, I forget what it is. I think 34 slots to roster players. That's 34 players that you can have control over in the taxi, the bench, and in your starters. Well, Jay Riggity's only got starters. I mean, he's got, he's got nobody in the taxi. So with, with not a very deep bench and nobody in the taxi, you know, you're basically leaving 10 guys out in free agency for us to all fight over and pick the ones we want. You're willing to take the leftovers or nobody at all. That's 10 players who could develop into something that becomes an asset that you can trade later. So Parker, even as the uh, co-commissioner of our league, still with an empty taxi and with a kicker on the roster, a kicker on the roster. Parker. Come on people. I'm texting him right now. Death to kickers. Move them off your roster. So, you know, the ranking has a lot to do with when I'm evaluating the whole class, you know, for some of us, I'm looking at eight guys for Parker and Jay Riggity. I'm looking at four guys, five guys. So you go, well, yeah, it's going to look a little bit thin because uh, we're, we're missing some pieces here. Uh, so it has more to do with that than it, than it does with not liking the pieces they have. It's just uh, the depth that I don't like. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's, my, that's my basic basic approach. Well, looking at your roster in particular, uh, especially going into 2021, you had an incredible, um, incredible run last year. Like we talked about, you were one Dalvin Cook epic choke performance away from uh, walking away from that. Really, I mean, had he shown up in any capacity, that would have been uh, an easy win for you. So you've kind of uh, done a lot of moves this year, rebuilding, reloading. Give us an overview of your roster. What are, what are the strengths of your roster? What do you think the weaknesses are of your roster moving into the season? Yeah, well, I've, I've got two guys that I love, Lamar Jackson and Christian McCaffrey. And I love them specifically because they do more than one thing. I hate a player that only does one thing, right? Or, or a guy that's limited. A running back that only piles up rushing yards and doesn't ever catch out of the backfield, that limits his, limits his production, right? So, uh, you know, Derrick Henry's a guy kind of like that, that um, he's, they're just going to give him the ball, and he's better with volume. 
So the when they're winning football games and trying to run the clock out, he's unbelievably valuable. But when they're losing and they're having to throw the ball all over the yard, he's worthless. He's not scoring any points. McCaffrey, it doesn't even matter what – it doesn't matter what the game situation is. His value is unquestionable regardless. If they're winning, he's running the clock out, which they're not winning very often. If they're losing, they're dumping the ball down to him and letting him run with it. I mean, it's, it's crazy, crazy the production you get there. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. So, so I looked at the uh, rankings from last year, and let me, uh, let, me show, let me share this stat with you. Lamar Jackson had 1,200 rushing yards and seven touchdowns last year in addition to leading the league in passing touchdowns. I don't think people realize that. Led the league in passing touchdowns. So Jackson was basically just on his pure passing stats, QB 15. He was Drew Brees or Baker Mayfield or Ryan Tannehill. Plus 1,200 rushing yards and seven touchdowns, which is Josh Jacobs. It's actually better (laughs) than Josh Jacobs. So would you rather play, you know, who, who, who do you want to play in your lineup? I mean, if you can play Lamar Jackson, you're basically playing Drew Brees and Josh Jacobs in one slot. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, that production's insane. Well, how about this? Last year, Michael Thomas goes into the record books, catching 149 balls. Do you know who caught the second most passes? in the NFL last season? Christian McCaffrey, 116. He caught 116 balls. All time in the history of the NFL, that ranks number 18. <laughs> in the history of the NFL, Christian McCaffrey had a top 20 season as a wide receiver, in addition to running for 1,400 yards and 15 touchdowns. It's insane. It's ridiculous. The production there is unbelievable. So if you get a guy who can do two things, especially that well, forget about it. It's like turning one roster spot into two. It's insane. So you basically have an extra quarterback, extra running back in Lamar Jackson, and a running back and a wide receiver two, in, or wide receiver one in Christian McCaffrey. Um, there's no – That's the way to do it. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's insane. And obviously the bottom's going to fall out of it at some point, right? You, you don't keep up that kind of production forever. And obviously, you know, the knock on Lamar Jackson is not that he's injury prone, but that he plays a style that's definitely going to get him hurt. And that's probably going to happen at some point. Um, and, you know, McCaffrey, he's not going to keep this up forever. I mean, so far he's been kind of an Iron Man. He's been pretty, pretty good. I mean, he play, even when he's banged up, he plays and produces. But – that's not, you know, he's going to get unlucky at some point and that's not going to keep up. Um, you know, so what, what can you do with that? I think you talked about Miles Sanders. I agree. I mean, he had every bit as good of a rookie season as Josh Jacobs. And yet everybody kind of views Jacobs as the, you know, the rookie champion. Um, but Sanders was just as good and he was in a timeshare and his timeshare moved to Miami. So, I think there's a good opportunity for him there. Julio Jones had the uh, 
lowest receiving yards of his career dating back to 2013. It was the second most yards in the league at almost 1,400 yards. It's the least <laughs> receiving yards he's had in seven years, and it was the second most in the league behind the guy who caught almost 150 balls. His production, I mean, you're totally right. He doesn't get in the end zone, but his usage is insane, and his, his production is still incredible. He's getting older. You know, the bottom's going to fall out of that too. But, uh, I mean, for now, he's unquestionably, you know, a top five guy. Um, so I, I think probably my strength is running back. I know I've got a couple of kind of disrespected men there. I know people don't love Gordon. People don't love Fournette. Um, but, I mean, I, I believe they're going to produce at pretty high-end, top-level numbers. And I think Sanders is a guy who's going to keep getting better. McCaffrey's unquestionable. And then you got Darius Geis and David Montgomery on my bench, which I think are guys that uh, they've got starting jobs. I mean, they're young guys who two to three years from now could be, you know, uh, borderline running back one kind of guys. Uh, I, I mean, I'd expect them to be in a couple of years if they still got that job to be running back one kind of guys. So I think the strength of my lineup is, is running back. And I think my weakness is tight end. And not because I don't like the guys I've got, but to be honest, there's two tight ends in the whole league that I like, Kelsey and Kittle. And everybody below that, to, in my mind, is a crapshoot. I mean, it is like a total wild card. I had Ertz for part of last year. You know, most people look at Ertz as the number three. He's got Goddard eating up tons of his usage. I mean, yeah. uh, there's just not another tight end who really – rises above Higby was honestly like put him in the hall of fame for what he did for like the last six weeks of the season. It was insane, but that's six weeks. I mean, what's the rest of his career that hasn't been the case early part of last season. That wasn't the case. And Everett's there. You keep hearing about, you know, Everett's going to snag some balls. So, uh, you know, I've got guys that I think could be good tight ends. I think Hooper and Cleveland, hopefully they Four speed him the ball because they paid him so much. Yeah. But that's true of about five guys on that offense. So I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, is Higby going to keep it up? If he does, he's going to be great. But if not, you know, what is he? Bench guy. Um, I've got Goddard on my taxi squad. I've got Noah Fant, who I think is going to take a step up, but probably not be a top tier guy. So. Um, I'm really, I'm really kind of putting a lot of eggs in the Hurst basket there, hoping that he turns a corner and becomes uh, a stud at tight end. But that's that's the frustrating spot on my roster, I think. Well, and I, I want to touch back on your running backs real quick. I was looking this up to double check. I had written it down, but I didn't believe it. Um, you've managed to not only have Miles Sanders and Christian McCaffrey, both of which, by the way, I think are are in line for. It would not surprise me to see both of them in the top five at all. It, Miles Sanders, I think, could conceivably be a RB like two overall. Um, but you also managed to get Boston Scott and Reggie Bonifon on your um, taxi, which means not only do you have two of the top five running backs next year, you have both of their handcuffs, um, which talks to what you were talking about earlier with depth and utilizing your roster space. 
um, you know, those, those are easy spots to have. You got them locked in, you got them loaded. And so regardless of what happens, you have the, the Eagles backfield locked down. You have the, the Carolina Panthers uh, backfield locked down. Uh, and I think you're, you're, you're kind of establishing a, um, a good move here. I think, I think you're going to go places this year for sure. Uh, you're my favorite. You've been my favorite to win it all this year. Uh, no offense, Cameron. But um, I'm looking over the rosters. I don't think it's really close. Um, now, you can't control injuries. COVID is a thing. But uh, I think overall, that's kind of it. To that end, who are you most excited when, you, when they come up on the schedule, like the easiest win you're going to have every week or during the season? And who is the team that you dread the most playing? Yeah, that's a good question. If we had done this interview a couple of days ago, I easily would have said you're the one I'm most excited to play. Um, but, but now I think your roster is evened out, and I think, uh, I think it's a pretty good lineup. I, I think the team I'd be the most scared of um, is probably Jay Riggity. And I, I hate his depth, okay? I, I mean, his team as a whole, I, I'm not a big fan of, but I've only got to play the starters. And he's got Patrick Mahomes. I mean, who wants to play Patrick Mahomes in a one-week situation? Not me. Uh, he's got Joe Mixon, who I think is going to be even better. And Mixon had kind of a rough year last year. I know Matthew Barry was like, you know, destroy Mixon, get rid of him, trade him away for nothing, dump him. You know, Mixon kind of bounced back, and I think he's going to be a pretty good um, player this year. Henry, in a one-week setting, can be an absolute beast. Um, so you look at that. Calvin Ridley is in an offense that's going to get a lot of action. A.J. Brown really had a pretty good year. Looks like he's going to take a step up. Man, for one week, there's some scary parts of, of Jay Riggity's lineup. So that's probably the team I would be most fearful of. Uh, the team that I most want to play, that's a, that's a good question. Maybe it would be C.D. Hampton. I think Murray is going to be a pretty good starter in Arizona. I'm not sure he's there yet. Um, Saquon Barkley, obviously, is ridiculous. I think Todd Gurley is going to have trouble in Atlanta. And uh, two years ago, I loved Todd Gurley. Right now, no good. If you look at his passing game numbers, uh, they weren't great. Even in games when he was productive, the passing game work wasn't very good. And you know Atlanta wants to use him that way. That's the way they use, the same way they use their tight end as that outlet to catch a lot of dump, dump offs and short passes. They want their running back to be that too. And I don't think Gurley's that guy. And he's got bulky knees. I mean, I, I, think, I think he's going to look old really fast. I think, I think he's at the end of his rope. Um, Tyreek Hill's really good, but, man, the wide receivers in that offense are streaky. They are boom-bust every week. So uh, I, think, I think Mike Evans probably is the number two in that wide receiver tandem in Tampa Bay. And I'm not sure that Tom Brady at his age is going to be producing, you know, two top-level wide receivers. I, I just think some of those players are kind of trending the wrong direction for me. So that's probably the team that I would be least scared of facing. Obviously, there's enough talent there that they could rise up and win any week. But 
that'd be that'd probably be the one for me. I definitely think that's a fair assessment for sure. Um, I'm to be honest, I'm not scared of Jay Riggity as much. Uh, but then again, you don't have to play yourself. So uh, I think the teams I'd be most afraid are, are you and Cameron for sure. Uh, everyone's hating on uh, Jeff's roster. Looking at it, uh, he doesn't have any of the starters set up, which makes it kind of confusing. But I mean, we are looking at like, you know, a, a pretty stacked roster, um, especially because there's so many unknowns. David Johnson, for instance, uh, Lev Bell, are they going to return? If they do, that's great. He has Kenyon Drake uh, sitting there. He has Devin Singletary. He has Adam Thielen and DJ Moore on the bench for reasons unknown to the rest of the world. <laughs> he has Mark Andrews, uh, who's not in the starting roster. And so if he fills out that roster, uh, right now he's projected to lose to Cameron uh, 130 to 76. But as soon as he uh, you know, actually sets his lineup, that's not a bad roster right there. Yeah. Uh, in any given week, I think he could be a playoff push. Um, I do think there is clearly tiers in our, our lineup right, or in our league right now. I think there's an upper echelon that consists almost exclusively of you and Cameron. And then I think there's this tier below that I, I think I've gotten into Justin, Parker, and Jeff. And then I do think there is a clearly differentiated bottom two right now with um, JD Riggity and uh, Hampton. Chase Hampton, I forget what his CDA, CD Hampton. CD Hampton um, yeah, yeah. Those two, both though, in two years, I'm terrified of. <laughs> They're like a couple years away of, of really hitting their stride. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cameron's got a really great roster. I, I think some of his pieces are on the decline. And he talked yeah. about that, that a lot of his guys are taking a step back. They're, I mean, they're such good players that they're still going to be tremendously productive. And, uh, He's got a good roster. I, th I think your dad's got a pretty underrated group. I was looking at this. So do you realize that Josh Allen finished number eight in our league for rushing touchdowns? How oh. insane is that? Josh Allen was the number eight leader in our league in rushing touchdowns. He was the 11th best player in total, right? So everything about Josh Allen makes me want to hate that guy. <laughs> except when you look at the stats. He's <laughs> productive. If I was going to look, I mean, without digging into the stats, if I just looked at everybody's starting quarterback, Jeffs would be the one I hate the most. But he's very productive. I mean, he scored a lot of points. He's a, he's a good fantasy player, even though it, it looks like that shouldn't be a situation that you want to be in. And, and I agree, his running backs – I mean, his wide receiver depth, I think, is maybe the best in the league. Um, because, like you say, DJ Moore, a good player, and, and on the bench most of last season and looking to head that way this season. Um, Bell could bounce back. Johnson could bounce back. I mean, I, I think I wrote about this in the, in the piece, that it's not hard to imagine that Jeff could have seven starting NFL running backs with huge upside and tremendous opportunities. It wouldn't take much for things to break Jeff's way and for his team to be really, 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 uh, really good in our league. Hey, can we pause the recording for just a minute? Yeah. And let me run upstairs. Okay, we are back. Um, so to kind of 
round out our conversations. Um, you have been chomping at the bit. Out of all the people I've interviewed, you've been the one who has been most excited to be able to, to vindicate, justify, uh, make right the shots that have been done to you, the disrespect. So I'm going to give you the floor now, and uh, let me give you some prompts, but then kind of do your own thing. Um, in this, un- this time, feel free to address unsolicited advice uh, given either to you or that you want to give to others. Uh, defend the slander that has been so wrongfully done against you and uh, take this opportunity to say anything you want to anyone. Oh man, that's quite an invitation. Well, in the uh, overrated, underrated players section, my guys have been getting blasted. My guys are getting blasted. I, I get it that everybody hates Gordon, hates Fournette, Hopkins looking for a, uh, you know, in a new situation, maybe not going to be that great. But uh, in, a, in a minute here, I want to, I've got three players that I picked for overrated, underrated. I want to share them real quick. And I'm going to share some numbers with you guys that change the way you think about some of these disrespected players. But the real reason that prompted me to get all fired up about that was because when you were interviewing Justin, he said there are some players in this league who are disrespectful and rude in their trade talks. And then he said, saying things like, you can't be happy with your quarterback situation. And I went back and looked, and that was a direct quote. <laughs> something I sent him in a, uh, in a trade request, which – you know, I am the one who said it, but I think we were all thinking it. He's really committed to Ryan Tannehill for no particular good reason. And, you know, I love that you put him on blast this morning about the Drew Locke being moved down to his taxi after talking him up so much. Um, but it, I wish that everybody could see, particularly the trade discussions that happened all of last year between Justin and I. <laughs> We continued to have these conversations, um, which would devolve really quickly into, what are you, crazy? And, and then we'd go back and forth for a little bit and be like, okay, obviously we don't value players the same at all. We're, we're not on the same wavelength here. Um, there's, we've made a couple of trades here recently, but all last year we were like constantly trying to make trades and then getting frustrated with each other. Like, no, 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 you're nuts. That's that's way too much or you value that guy way, way, way too much. Um, I do want to say though, that Drew Locke quote today actually came up in a really funny way. I was interviewing Justin for my church's podcast. Uh, we were doing a segment together and at the end of it, he goes, Hey, by the way, while I have you here, let's talk this uh, Dalvin Cook trade. And so we got to discussing the trade and in that, in that section, he goes, yeah, man, I was just really glad that no one noticed that I slid Drew Locke into my taxi squad and I immediately got on and posted it <laughs> as you should I love it I love it well let me let me give you uh, real quick here three overrated and underrated players okay number one on my overrated players list Tom Brady okay he's 42 years old 42 years old so Really, there doesn't even need to be another explanation, but people are going nuts about this offense and what it's going to be. Evans and Godwin were great last year. 
but that's because Jameis Winston is a chucker who does not care about throwing interceptions at all, right? Tom Brady is not a chucker. He does care about turnovers. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions. It's not going to happen. So Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. Brady has thrown 29 interceptions over the last four years combined. <laughs> They're totally different guys. They are totally different guys. Ronald Jones was great last year um, for what he is. I mean, he wasn't a terrifically productive uh, back, but what, for what they asked him to do, he was fine. He had so much opportunity in a really great offense and yet still wasn't an elite running back. So why would you think he's going to be anything better than that now? So some reason everybody thinks he's this sleeping giant, that he's this uh, running back who's the next guy to come about. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't see it. Gronkowski skipped a whole year. He was retired. He's a huge party animal. Now he lives in Tampa. He's built like a silverback gorilla. I have a hard time believing that that package rolls out onto the field and turns into the top tight end in our league all overnight. I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. This offense is not going to be better than it was last year. It was a top three offense. It was the best passing offense. Where do they go from there? Only down. So if they're going down, who's going to be the one who suffers? Well, I think both of those wide receivers probably take a little hit. I think they're going to win more football games than they won last year. But I think fantasy-wise, this is not an offense that's the juggernaut that, that people are talking about like they think it's going to be. There are lots of people right now who are telling you that Brady can throw the deep ball to take advantage of those wide receivers. And maybe that's true, but he doesn't. So I'll believe it not when I see it, but if I see it. I, I, just, I just don't think at 42 years old. And I'm not saying I, I hate the guy. I think his floor is very high because he's the best who ever did it. But for the people that are saying, finally, he's got this great coach and these great wide receivers and this open system, it's going to be, you know, 50 touchdown season part two. I don't see it. I don't see it. The second guy that I think is overrated, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is overrated. Wow. He was the number two running back in the league last year, but he had a great season. The team added basically nothing to help Rodgers. So 2020 has to be a repeat of 2019, right? Wrong. Jones scored 39% of his points and 37% of his touchdowns in three games. He is the recipient of a ridiculous boom and a pretty normal season otherwise. Here's the worst news. The Packers actually did draft someone to help Aaron Rodgers. It just wasn't a wide receiver. They drafted... Uh, in round one, a quarterback who's not going to see the field, right? And then in round two, they took a running back who it's really easy to say they didn't need a running back. He probably won't play. I'm here to tell you that is not going to be the way it works out. 
AJ Dillon is a sledgehammer, and sledgehammers are good for one thing, vulturing touchdowns. He is going to be an animal at the goal line, and if you think they're not going to use him, you're crazy. Bishop, we happen to know a guy, a little insider information, who works for the Packers, who's a scout, a high-level scout for the Packers, who was an NFL running back. I've watched so many football games with Chad Brinker, and I know that he loves a sledgehammer. And I know that he hates the running style of Aaron Jones. Now, Chad Brinker is not the GM, he's not the head coach, he's not the offensive coordinator. So maybe that doesn't matter. But if the people who are doing the scouting have any say at all in that room, and I know a guy who's got tremendous influence and is a running backs guy, he loves A.J. Dillon, I'm telling you, he does. And there's no way that he loves a guy that much. And when they're having team meetings, they're not saying, get this guy the ball. Wow, Nick Rice is breaking news, insider information from a scout of the Green Bay Packers on here, our lowly podcast. Okay, Adam Schefter. Here's, a, here's some side bet action for you. Come and get some side bets on this. Jones had 19 touchdowns in 2019. I could see his touchdowns getting cut in half. I think he boomed that drastically. I think his touchdowns get cut in half. I'm going to set the over-under at 10.5, and, and I'm going to take the under. Wow. You want some action? Come and get it. 10 touchdowns for Aaron Jones. No more. Here's my third and final selection of the overrated players. And this is the second player from Toupe's lineup, and I feel bad about that, so I'm going to take it easy here. Cortland Sutton is a guy I think is a little bit overrated. Now, I'm not trying to pick on Justin and take a low blow here, but um, Sutton was the only really good option on a pretty bad team last year. They added a stud in Jerry Judy. They added what could be a sneaky good slot guy in K.J. Hamler. They added a second stud running back who catches the ball and was paid a bajillion dollars. Rookie tight ends have a hard time getting on the field because they have to learn the passing tree and blocking. But in their second year, tight ends take a big jump. Noah Fant's going to be in his second year. So Noah Fant's going to be making a big jump, I think, in this offense. So you're looking at a team last year that had two weapons, and this year it's got six. That doesn't seem like a continued rise to fantasy relevance to me. He's a great young player. I don't doubt his actual football talent. But as a fantasy talent, I don't see the upside. I don't think he gets enough of the share of now that pie that's being split so many more ways that he's able to – I mean, they targeted him 125 times last year. So how many more do you think he's going to get this year with all those extra mouths to feed? I don't think he's going to get more at all. I think he's going to get similar usage and probably a little bit less production. He's maybe the same guy in a best-case scenario. I don't think he's going to take a big step forward. Uh, and, by the way, his quarterback is terrible. 
and his head coach is Vic Fangio, who's an old-school defensive guy who you definitely know wants to run the heck out of the ball with Melvin Gordon, which is another reason why I love Melvin Gordon. Oh, yeah, and Locke is getting his second offensive coordinator in two years. That usually goes well for young quarterbacks. I don't, I don't love them. I don't see it. I don't see it. Too much I'm there with you on that one, especially. I think uh, you look at the last, really the last four or five games, uh, Drew Locke kind of took over as the starter and kind of got into a rhythm. Uh, with the exception of one outlier where he was able to surpass 300 yards, he's averaging like 230 yards a game. He's not a high volume guy. He is a dinker and dunker. Uh, and you can throw a whole, this is, he is Trent Dilfer, right? And so you can throw a hundred wide receivers at Trent Dilfer and it's not going to matter because he's going to throw a five yard in route to a tight end or a flare out of the backfield. That's what he's comfortable doing. I don't, I agree with you. I don't see Cortland Sutton being this all-star maniac. Uh, I actually think him taking a step backwards. Yeah. I I think I wrote in the, in the quarterback piece that, that I think Drew Locke could turn into Baker Mayfield. That I think if, if things don't click this year, then Denver fans are going to say, well, that wasn't our year. Now we got all the pieces. Next year's our year. And if it doesn't happen next year, people are going to say, we have Baker Mayfield. We got a Cadillac of an offense here. We got, we're dripping with offensive talent, except for a quarterback who can't get him the ball. I think they are a prime candidate to pick up um, probably a free agent quarterback next year, a guy who's established and doesn't get you know, a good look somewhere else. I think they're probably going to win enough games not to get a good enough draft pick to get a quarterback who's any better than Drew Locke. But I'll be surprised if they don't sign a free agent, a big name to come in. And, and maybe they keep Locke and develop him a little bit more. But, man, a lot of pressure on that kid. If he doesn't produce right now, I think his grasp on that job is going to get slippery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's my underrated, guys. Anybody on the Pittsburgh Steelers? I live near Pittsburgh, and I'm not a Steelers fan. This is not a, a homer selection. When Big Ben comes back, Connor's going to be better. Ebron's going to be great. I think, I mean, in that offense, I think he's going to be great. Uh, Deontay Johnson, you've got to love. I mean, if you look at the last 20 years, um, the Steelers have had one losing season in 20 years, and they almost always have a fantasy-relevant wide receiver. I mean, Mike Wallace was a big name. Santonio Holmes back in the day was a a big name for them. Uh, AB was a a big receiver for them. I think Deontay Johnson is primed to be that guy. Maybe not this season, but probably by next season, he could be that guy. Um, I think Juju is going to take a big step up. I think that offense is on the upswing with Big Ben in the fold. I think it looked terrible last year only because the quarterback situation was the worst in the league. A player that I think is underrated. I'm going to defend my own guy here, Melvin Gordon. I know everybody hates him, but I don't understand why. Maybe it's because he's part of a long legacy of Wisconsin stud backs who flop in the NFL. And that he just feels like one of those guys who doesn't really ever get over the hump. Maybe it's because he let a junior college guy take half of his job. And that was a pretty lousy thing to do. Maybe it's because he held out. Maybe it's because he misses games every once in a while, but open sleeper right now and look at Gordon. He's not who you think he is. 
Since his rookie season, he's missed 14 games. Four of them were for a holdout. Three of them, uh, three more were possibly at the end of a season just because there's no reason to bring him back. We're going to go ahead and shut it down. So seven of his 14 games that he's missed are really not because he's an injury-prone guy, but just because of the circumstances. That's not great, but it's not Dalvin Cook land, okay? He's missed some games, that's true. But here's the piece you're missing. Since his rookie year, he's played 50 games. And not including the games where he had a limited snap count uh, in a couple of games coming back last year from his holdout. Do you know how many double-digit fantasy days he's had in 50 games? 41. 41. And if you take out the three games where he was on a restricted snap count, 41 out of 47 games when he got the full full workload that he put up double-digit points. Okay? So I, I looked at some of the other top backs. Here are some of the other top running backs in our league. Ex- I excluded in almost every case the rookie year. Um, I only included it if it benefited them. But in most cases, the rookie year was kind of an outlier. Ezekiel Elliott scores double-digit points in 92% of the games he plays. Christian McCaffrey scores double-digit points in 90% of the games he plays. And Melvin Gordon scores double-digit points in 87% of the games he plays. So the reality is when he's on the field, he's a top five back, easy. Easy top five back. He goes to Denver and... Eckler didn't, if you look at the end of last season, Gordon was still great. I mean, he was double-digit points every week, still scoring touchdowns, getting some work in the passing game even. He was very good at the end of last year. You think Lindsey's going to have a bigger impact than Eckler did? There's no chance. No chance. Melvin Gordon's going to be an animal this year. I think he's going to be top-level back. You know, just to compare... I gave you those statistics on three, three of the top-level guys. Dalvin Cook, 76% of the time is a double-digit score. Um, Henry, Derek Henry, only 53% of the time is scoring double-digit points. So the top of that list is like super elite. Every time they walk on the field, 10 points, you take it to the bank. I want my lineup, right? So here's some more side bet action for you. Sleeper has Melvin Gordon finishing as running back number 19. Ludicrous. Disrespectful. I'm going to set the over under again at 10 and a half, and I'm going to take the over. I think Gordon is a top 10 back, barring a significant injury. If you don't think Gordon's a top 10 back, if you agree with Sleeper that he's more of a wide receiver three, Come and get some side bet action, okay? Gordon's a disrespected man. Here's my number two, disrespected man, Jordan Howard. Now, we already talked about this. He's got a starting job in the NFL. He's a top 32 guy right out of the gates. He's been very effective in his young career. He's basically a 1,000-yard back every year. The Dolphins are still going to be bad. They're going to be improving. I think it's a perfect mix of talent and opportunity. And if you want someone to get roasted, here it is. Jay Riggity straight up dropped this man for no good reason. 
He dropped Jordan Howard. And still, today, roster's a kicker. I don't get it. You got to whip this man into shape. Jay Riggity. The disrespect of Jordan Howard, there's only one other player in, in all of football who I think is more disrespected than Jordan Howard, and that's Marvin Jones Jr. Um, those two guys every year consistently undervalued, consistently underdrafted, consistently perform at a high level. I don't understand it. Jay Riggity, what are you doing? Um, that is beyond frustrating. I have Jordan Howard now. Uh, that was actually a non-negotiable part of the Dalvin Cook trade. <laughs> I actually wanted Dalvin. I wanted Dalvin Cook, and I wanted Jordan Howard. And I guess I kind of negotiated for Madison there. But I would have. I would have taken that trade without Madison if it meant getting Jordan Howard on my roster. Well, I think for two payware that was a pretty good deal because he basically picked up Howard off the scrap heap. Um, and I, when I first saw it, I was kind of hesitant to even make a waiver request because I thought this must have been an accident. Maybe we'll give him a gimme. You know, maybe he meant to drop uh, Siebert and instead dropped Howard. But, you know, but whatever. There are lots of reasons why somebody might not like a guy. But, uh, but I think Howard's in a good position to, to be pretty productive, much more than people seem to be giving him credit for. And then here's, uh, here's my third and final guy, Michael Gallup. Okay. Michael Gallup right now is wide receiver 30. Amari Cooper is wide receiver 10. Here are the stat lines last year from Cooper and Gallup. Michael Gallup, with two years' experience in his second season, 66 catches, 1,107 yards, six touchdowns. Here's Amari Cooper, five years' experience, 79 catches, 1,189 yards, eight touchdowns. They are the same man. They are the same man. Here's the entire list of what separates Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. They are separated by exactly one birthday, three seasons of experience in the NFL, 12 targets, 13 catches, 82 yards, two touchdowns, and 12 pounds. <laughs> they are the same man. Michael Gallup is a younger clone of Amari Cooper, except for this. This coming season, Amari Cooper is going to make $10 million. Michael Gallup is going to make $750,000. If you've got two guys that produce the exact same numbers, and the difference between them is basically $10 million. Which guy do you like more? Gallup. <laughs> Even more ridiculous part. In 2021, the next season, Cooper makes $20 million. And Michael Gallup makes $925,000. So if you're going to get the same production out of those two guys and you just drafted C.D. Lamb, it's not sustainable. They're not keeping all those guys, right? I think what's going to happen is they're going to keep Gallup just long enough. I mean, they're going to keep Cooper just long enough to sign Gallup to a deal where they can negotiate and say, Cooper's our number one. You're the number two. And they're going to screw him out of all kinds of money that they should be giving him. Right, they're gonna they're gonna sign him to a deal that's sweet for the Cowboys, and then 
Cooper's out of here. Mm -hmm. Because we can't pay $20 million for a guy that's producing the same level of uh, production on the field that we're getting from our number two guy. And I think CeeDee Lamb might be the most talented of all three of them. So uh, in my mind, you know, Gallup is a really disrespected man in this group. And uh, Cooper is maybe going to make it through the season. I don't think he's on the Cowboys uh, next, the, the next year. I think in 2021, he's probably in a new home. And sometimes that works out for receivers and sometimes it doesn't. So I think Cooper is pretty risky at this point. And Michael Gallup is going to give you solid wide receiver two production, probably borderline wide receiver one. The only caveat to that is CeeDee Lamb is going to cut into somebody's numbers and maybe not evenly. You know, one of those two guys is going to take a hit and it could be Gallup that takes the bigger hit. Um, but, I, but I think what's going to happen is um, either Lamb jumps Gallup and becomes Cooper when they run Cooper out of town and Gallup stays the same guy that he is, in which case I'll take it. Or Cooper leaves town and both guys get a bump up and Gallup becomes the number one, in which case I'll take it. What's not to like about Michael Gallup? He's not getting enough respect, in my opinion. So um, those are my overrated, underrated guys. Um, that's it. I've talked a lot. We've had a long, long chat. I'll, I'll be quiet now. It's been awesome. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, let me drop this piece of news for those of you who are watching the podcast. Uh, I'll air this probably in about an hour. Um, Debo Samuels has just broken his foot. Oh, no. <laughs> during a throwing session in, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, the speculation is now, according to, um, according to Rotowire, that he is – it's looking like a Jones fracture. He's going into surgery right now, uh, and he will – he'll be in early season but not at the start of the season. It's, it's unlikely. So we're looking at a couple games of a delay of Debo Samuel. If you are the Brandon Ayuk owner – Congratulations, you've just gotten San Francisco's number one runners. Oh, wait a second. Hey! Um, Cameron, if you're listening, I'll trade you Brandon Ayuk for Debo Samuel straight up. Uh, I will not hesitate. Um, anyway, thanks, Nick, for everything. Is there anything else you want, parting shots, parting gifts, anything you want to, to say? No, I think I've made enough enemies and burned enough bridges today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to say, this has been by far the most informational and informative of the, the podcast. I feel smarter having done this with you than I did before. Uh, so thank you so much. We needed some intelligence in this group. And uh, your statistical analysis is, it's actually analysis. It's not just Justin being like, I just don't like that guy. Or uh, Parker making snide comments. So I appreciate your, uh, your, your dedication to this and all the preparation you did for the pod. Uh, for everyone else, let me just kind of end out on these two notes. Um, one, uh, we will be trying to keep involvement high in this uh, group. There have been a couple of members who uh, we've talked to, I've talked to outside of this, that things like dropping kickers, uh, do that. Do the things necessary to be good and relevant. Also understand we're all new to Dynasty. One thing we've learned, and Nick pointed this out, uh, is make moves. 53 moves uh, led to three winning records, <clears throat> of which one of them was mine. Uh, learn from our example, our greatness, and try to follow in the shadow of us. Uh, walk into, 
into the greatness that we are we are presently in. Uh, make moves, stay involved, stay invested. Read Nick's posts. They're hilarious and informative. You, you'll feel smarter and better. Uh, they've actually compelled me to make many of the moves I've made recently, having read those analysis and having fresh eyes. He's right. Uh, so take a gander at those. If there is nothing else, uh, we look forward to next week with a combination of Chase and Jeff, maybe one, maybe both. And the week after, we'll do our uh, mock draft. I've got one more thing. You reminded yeah. me of something here. Uh, I've got to take some issue with you. Oh, There's been a lot of talk in this league about rebuilding. Rebuilding is a farce. We're in an eight-team league. There's so <laughs> much talent. Rebuilding is ridiculous. You just Your team right now looks like a competitor after two trades. After we've been listening for weeks about we're rebuilding, we're two years away. It's nonsense. You just need to make some trades. That's it. Shake it up. It looks fresh and new. It'll, it'll come back better. I don't, I don't really have a, a problem with people keeping a kicker on their roster, especially in June. Um, you know, we're a long ways from the season, but um, uh, it's just something to bust people's chops over. So it's, you know, that's good stuff. Well, I'm not kidding. He's a kind person. Cut your kickers. Team Nitley. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anyway, uh, take care, Nick. Take care, League. Uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying this pod. They're fun to do, um, really fun to do. I I've really enjoyed doing this with you guys. And it's, got, it's been cool to get to know you guys better, and it's been cool to watch you guys get to know each other uh, uh, better. But thanks again for your time, and I'm looking forward to next week.